Hey everyone, welcome back to Sprouting Minds. This week we welcome Erica Joy Sneath onto the podcast. Erica and I bond over the little things that affected our teaching career and kind of some of the ultimate reasons that we left teaching. We talk about Erica's accident at work and how that influenced the rest of her career. And of course, we end by giving a shout out to Erica's new book. As always, check the show notes after you're done listening for more information on Erica. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello. Hi. How are you, Erica? I'm good. Is it the morning for you? Where are you located? I'm in New York. Um, it's the okay. morning for those that aren't morning people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. 1030. 10:30. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> I am in, I'm on Pacific time. So I was like, oh, good morning. Um, but then I'm like, let me actually check where you are because maybe you've had like a full day up to this point. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I've been up for like two hours, which, yeah. you know. It's still morning yeah. for me. I'm still waking yeah. up. I'm still having my coffee, you know? Yeah. But yeah, you, no, you look wide awake. Um, how much time do you have? I am a morning person generally, but I also feel like my, like, I'm learning my best self. So I work full time and then I also yeah. have this book and business. So I'm learning to try to find pockets of time where it works for me. And one of the pockets is like, I really like my morning time. So I get up in the six-ish hour. Yesterday, I woke up naturally at 5.50. But like, if you would have asked me six months ago, if I'm like, I would have said no, like my body can't handle that. I need all the sleep I can get. And you know, like, I mean this lovingly, you're going to learn that I have a lot of sass, but like, you know, the people that are like, top 10 tips for your morning and like, see my morning routine. I'm like, I'm not saying that's mean. I'm just saying like, it actually works for me. I like that it's quieter. I like that it's calm. I used to be the person like gets up, takes a shower, gets ready for work, goes to work. And so I feel like slowing myself down is really good. Yeah. But also like no judgment. If you're like, mornings are hard. I'm barely getting up at eight. I'm like, that's cool. Because that used to be me. Um, and when I was teaching in the classroom, like getting up in the six o'clock hour, I was like super cranky. I was like, "Uh uh-uh, these kids, nope, I'm not going to do the day. So I've come a long way. That's why I'm like, how much time do you have? (laughs) But also this is like early for like being like podcast ready. Like I'm like, I feel like normally like 8 a.m. is my like, okay, I'm fully ready to go. Also it's cloudy today. So that Mm -hmm. that's not like sunshine and rainbows, but it's fine. I digress. I digress. (laughs) Well, that's okay. I asked. I mean, for me, personally, like my problem is that my happy time is at night. And like, yeah, unfortunately, late at night, right. when it's quiet and no one's awake. And it's yeah. like, part of me is like, well, there is that morning time that has that same thing. If you can just switch it. Yeah. We'll see. No, it's my husband's progress. the exact same way. Yeah, my husband's the exact same way. His ideal is like 10 to 2 a.m. And I'm like, what? We should so be best for, friends. Yes. Like he, like he's like off and running. He's great. And then he'll like be tired and he'll try to go to bed at like midnight and his body like fights back and he's wide awake. So I get it. I feel like not only are like we opposite, but I feel like I've had to learn like what is my ideal time. And also like, I'm not the person that's like, get up at six and do my blah, blah, blah. And then I do my blah, blah, blah. And then it's 20 minutes of this. And I drink my water. I'm like, nope. I'm having my cup of coffee. 
I'm looking out the window. Like, there's no, like, I'm being intentional about this thing and then this thing. I'm like, I'm just starting my day off slower, which is nice. And also gives me time to, like, look at my business email and do some different lighter tasks. Yeah. I say that and then I'm like, eh, sometimes I, like, schedule over it. But it's a work in progress. Aren't we all? We're all a work in progress and that's fine. Yeah. (laughs) So you are the dean of Pacific Preparatory, which yeah. I, I've talked to Kathy, I've talked to Corey. Yeah. So like, that's right. I forgot that you've also chatted with Corey. Yeah, yeah. it's so fun. You're like a little mini team member. Yeah, um, yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we all work super closely together. And I don't think I told them I was doing this. Well, it's I don't think they know yet. So they'll be like, oh, cool. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Let me know if you have any, like, I want to make sure you talk about this thing or that thing. I was thinking this morning that, like, I'm like, I'm bored about talking about my own story. Not because it's boring, but just because I'm like, I don't know what people want to hear. You know, I think, like, a lot of my story is intertwined with teaching and getting heard and then writing the book and, like, all of that. Or we could kind of dive into more of, like, my teaching experience or just the pain or just the book process or all of the above. We can see how it goes, but I'm just kind of giving you a disclaimer. Yeah. And I'm also a little sick. So if I suddenly stop talking, it means I need to cough and you're up to fill the silence. <laughs> Got it. And if at any point you need to like go refill your water or whatever, just tell me and we, we break for a hot second. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All that sounds good. Yeah. It's good to meet you, Andy. And correct me if I'm wrong. But you're not currently in the classroom. You were teaching and you started this as like a way to, it's great. I listened to your last episode where you gave the disclaimer. Um, but you were teaching little ones. Is that right? Yeah, I was teaching um, preschoolers okay. in the city. Um, uh-huh. He's going to bother me. So give me one second to like yeah. wrangle him in or give him something. Funny, I was like, um seeing my zoom yeah I'm like gosh that um branch is really struggling I don't want it to break off but oh well I digress (laughs) um I I was like I usually have him in um the room with me and I was Uh like you're eight years old Milo I'm gonna give you your Mm -hmm. frozen breakfast and then you're gonna go take a nap Uh and it worked it's gonna be perfect right I had an interview on Monday and he was great and I was like okay same thing today Milo do mm-hmm. your own thing mm-hmm. clearly didn't work out that way wow. so he's in here hopefully he's eating again um anyway no, no you're totally fine <laughs> it's um my cat will and inev- we have two cats actually one will one's a little kitten so she's everywhere um she might even like jump up on my shoulders and like when she's wild I'm like I'm done with that yeah. And the other is like super fluffy and cuddly, but like if I'm not giving her attention, she's like all over the keyboard. She's like moving her tail in my face. Like she's like, I need affection. She's like Marie from Aristocats, if you've mm-hmm. seen it. She's like the like sassy one. Um, so that will inevitably happen. My team's like, oh, there's Erica's cat again. I'm like, I know, like I work from home. She's just gonna be around. Same with dogs. It's like there's only so much you can do. And like I'm not gonna get annoyed with him because he's an animal and doing what animals do yeah but anywho so yeah yeah, I was teaching preschoolers in Manhattan and Uh it wound up being something that I really 
enjoyed, mm-hmm. but the stress outweighed the enjoyment. I'm yeah. not a morning person, so waking up at like 5 a.m. to trek into the city was right. a nightmare. And then I'm right. even more tired. Right. And like, I loved watching the children get it. Like, I loved watching them explore yeah. and yeah. learn. And like those yeah. moments I lived for, but the stress of making sure that like no one dies was like it's too much. Too much for me. Like way, way too much. Yeah. And I was like, I need a break and yep. now I'm doing this and I don't think I'm ever going back. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is good because ultimately what you're saying is I had to prioritize myself. And I think teachers get like a horrible rep. Like Teachers are like the worst at that. And so anytime I hear of an educator in any form, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk about it like educators overall, whether that's an an assistant, a teacher, like just educators. Just yeah. anybody in education. That could be a janitor if you envision yourself as teaching or like supporting students with behavior in some way. But when educators like honor themselves, I'm like, yeah, I celebrate that because I'm sure it was really hard to come to that decision. And then I'm sure it was equally hard, if not harder, to then follow up on like and follow through on said decision. Yeah. Um, and so anytime I hear of that, I'm like, yeah, good for you. Somebody once lovingly told me, Erica, kids are kids. There'll be kids everywhere. You'll always be impacting kids in some form. And I was like, hmm, I think I'd give that advice to somebody else. They don't think I would take that advice. And so like, I knew that that was like something for me to sit with is like, huh. I need to wrestle with like kids or kids anywhere. You don't have to be the end all be all for all of them, especially if it's eating you alive. And like you said, those like light bulb moments, there probably weren't enough of them to make it sustainable yeah. and to make it outweigh the really hard, messy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, as you said, like a lot of us in the field, like I personally felt so much guilt. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm leaving the school that I've been at for four years. Mm-hmm. I like also the last year was just a hot mess in so many different ways that I left not on the best of terms and like mm-hmm. I felt so 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 bad about it and I actually just like emailed one of the head people who I was close to and was like look this is everything that happened that year like mm-hmm. I just want you to know that that last year was not a full representation of like my experience and yeah. like I just appreciate you so much because in that moment I couldn't do it because you burn out and you're so focused on like, okay, how do I make this thing work even though it's Mm -hmm. not anymore? And it's such a, it's so hard. And I commend people that, that leave. And I also commend Mm -hmm. people that like enjoy it so much that they can't leave because they they can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's very complicated. Yeah. It's it yeah it's super complex. I because I had a lot of ish as you would call it of just like this is not you know it's like what I signed up for. It's not what I signed up for. You know I'm getting a bad rap and I'm like this is attacking my character. Like I'm like there were so many things that were wrapped up in it. And I remember at one point chatting with like a really fierce teacher leader advocate kind of the like classic has been there 20 years and like says it directly in staff meetings, but not, but like everybody respected her and she's a great teacher, but she's also very intense. And I, at one point I just kind of said like, how are you doing this? You know, like tell, tell me about this because I think I'm missing something. And she said, honestly, Erica, 
at the end of the day, I close my classroom door, I grab my keys, I walk out and I don't think about it. And I just move the heck along. And I was like, huh. And she said, watching you, that's not possible for you. And so I don't know that this is going to be sustainable for you in this environment. Because I was teaching in like a super under-resourced community where I was counselor, I was mom, I was sister, I was friend, I was neighbor, I was you name it, I was the kid's person. And I'm like, I can't be your person. I can't even like, I can hardly even be my person. You know, I can show up, but like, I don't know what version of me you're going to get. And what's also hard about teaching is like every minute means something. 2 o'clock, 201, 202, 203, 204. Oh, shoot, 204. Okay, we're late on this thing. 2.37, 2.38. That's the type of like planning details that I think is super under um, appreciated for teachers is we're on for the day and we're planning the day. And if something goes wrong, it's on us. Whereas I think if in like the corporate world or just even in what I do day to day, I'm like, great, I have this meeting. I'll show up for this thing. I know how to participate with this thing. Sure, I'm facilitating a lot of meetings or I'm chatting or whatever, but I'm not in charge of 743, 744, 745, line up, let's go, let's go. Okay, expectations, getting the music. like And like all of those things, it was just like constant weight on my chest. Yeah. And I learned that like, I can't actually separate that at the end of the day. And I only learned that because she told me that she doesn't think about it. Because before I just assumed everybody's managing this stress at home and everybody's overwhelmed. And then and then she was like, no, I don't think about it. I don't worry about it. These kids have a lot going on. It's not my responsibility. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's like, okay, how do you do that? And she, she's like, it's not something that you can teach or really train yourself to do. It's like she was kind of saying that lovingly. She's like, you're empathetic. I have empathy, but I'm sort of like a, say it as it is move the heck along person and so she's like for lack of better terms like I'm a bull in a china shop (laughs) so you don't know what it's like I'm cool with it as is so that kind of changed my perspective too because I realized then like oh some people can stay and I'll celebrate them if they can stay because they're cool they have their boundaries they're getting support I was not one of those people but it also took me a long time to admit that like I I felt like I failed yeah I think that that's, um, I didn't realize that either. I was the same way where I was like, okay, I'm leaving. And I tried to leave everything at the door, but I couldn't. And it was like, until I fell asleep, I couldn't shut it off. I was thinking about them. Yeah. Yeah. And even like the stupidest things too. Like it doesn't even matter. It's like, okay, well, at drop off tomorrow, make sure you say hi. Like, obviously you say hi. Right, like nonsense stuff. And I was like, I can't shut it off. Like yeah. I, it's a constant thought and it's not necessary either, right? Like it's not, yeah. these thoughts aren't necessary, but then yeah. you're also that person for them. So right. you feel like you have to wear all these hats. You have to do everything. And then you yeah. look at someone else who's like, no, no, I leave. And like, that's it. You're like, and there's still that there's still that person for the kids. So that's the thing that really got me is I was like, that these kids know they can count on you. You're consistent. You still have like feelings and emotions. It's not like happy-go-lucky at your work day. But I was like, wait, how are you still there for the kids if you have these boundaries? That was what I was like. I actually can't wrap my mind around it. And it's not just a, you'll grow up, Erica. You know, you'll get older. Like it wasn't like, oh, you're young in the field. You'll learn. But it was more so a, yeah, that's actually not in the cards. 
but I didn't realize again, I'm like, how are people doing this? Right. Um, right. you know, and how, how are we just sort of talking about it and like the whole like summer's off. And, you know, I was like, I didn't resonate with any of that. Cause I was like, I shouldn't need these breaks just to get through the day. I should feel like I've actually like sustained in October and November, you know, outside of days off. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, I could talk about that for three hours. Yeah. As I'm sure you could, like, it's like the journey and yeah, how that works. And it's tough, but I, that's why I asked because I was like, I think we taught the little, little ones, which see my cat's tail. I was going to say, here she is. Can you hear my dog chewing on this thing? No. Okay, good. Cause I can, and I'm like, oh my God, this was a dumb idea too. But okay. As long as oh. you can't hear it, then, then that's fine. Yeah. I mean, the teaching thing is, I mean, it's so complicated and complex. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like my mom was a teacher. And mm-hmm. so growing up, I would always go to her elementary school and I loved yeah. it. And I felt so seen and validated because all these teachers loved me being there. Loved you, yeah. yeah. Right. And so I grew up being like, that's what I want. Like, I hated yeah. my own schools. I loved that school. I need that's to do that. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it took me four years to be like, okay. I experienced it. There were so many mm-hmm. things that I loved. There were a few things that I didn't love. Like, what's mm-hmm. that weighing this? And it was like, okay, you know what? This isn't for you. Make a move. Make a change. And that was extremely scary, but worth it. Yeah. Yeah, scary, I'm sure. It's, I think people are like, oh, great, good for you. I'm like, yes. And also, I didn't have anything lined up. You know, I'm like, there's just like a lot of things where it was like, I kind of had to say, I'm jumping off the diving board into the ocean. There's no life raft. Like it and I think that's that was what I needed and I'm sure what you needed, but also like super um scary. Alarming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. it was actually like great, good for you, but I'm like, who's paying my bills? Like it's not good for you paying my bills. Right, right. Like oh, I left for anyway. this and I was like, I don't even know like that this is sustainable. I was like, I don't yeah. know anything about editing or any like it was just yeah. trust your gut and take a leap and go for it and I mean it looks like it worked out for both of us Uh, yeah I commend you that's super cool especially for like well I was gonna say tapping into an industry that is unfamiliar I guess I'm doing that too but I think it's it's sort of related ish you know it's not like oh you know you were a teacher so you know how to publish a book wildly different um very yep (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm the how to write a children's book, how to hire an editor. You know, I'm like, I literally didn't know anything. But yeah. I think part of it is like when you're motivated, you're willing to step outside your comfort zone. And like the motivation, you know, is like fuel to your fire of like, okay, it's coming. I need some, like, I need to know how to do this. I need to know how to edit because I need to figure this out for myself. And I want to do this podcast, you know, so I'm sure for you, it was similar. Yeah. And so like, okay, so you taught and then... Mm-hmm. Were you injured and then that kind of trickled into like becoming the dean and publishing a book and that path? Yeah. You want me to just kind of tell you about the, the, it's not linear because it wasn't like I, I set out to do it. And then now here I am with this book. So I say that with the utmost like grace and respect, like, yes, this is really like transpired into something, but also with like years of turmoil and 
disappointment and blah, blah, blah. But essentially I was like the classic, I'm going to undergrad, I'm getting my degree in education, I'm gonna teach, I know I wanna do elementary education. I was like the one who like knew what they wanted to do like when I was 15. Um, And I like pursued that and I went to school for that. You know, like I said, it was like, I knew what I wanted. And I started teaching right away when I was 22. And um, I'll never forget my first open house. Um, one of the parents said, you're the teacher. <laughs> and I was like, hi, yeah, I'm Erica. Um, I said my last name, America Seed, you know. Um, and then he was like, have you graduated? I was like, yep, I graduated with my degree in elementary education. I have endorsements in reading, all subjects, and also English for speakers of other languages. And she goes, whoa, you like, you just graduated. That's super impressive. So it went from like alarming, you're the teacher to like, whoa, you actually got the job. Actually, you're cool. And I'll never forget that because it was like, yes, thank you. I'm ready to go. Thank you for the compliment. Like a little validating too. Yes. Yes. I was like, yes, here I am wearing my dress and my wedges. I am looking the part. (laughs) All my other teacher colleagues are like most laid back, but like they look like the teacher and I look like the college intern. Anyway, um, so I taught fourth grade for three years and third grade for one year, and I always wanted to keep going lower. So I think the ideal age for me would have been second grade, like the sweet spot where they still really like you. They're learning to read. It's super fun, but it's not as much of like foundational. It is foundational reading, but like not as much of like, this is how we do school. You know, kindergarten means this and first grade means this. It was like, I kind of wanted them to feel like they're my like little learners and we're kind of doing the the thing. But um, people are like, oh, fourth grade, it's so close to second. Yes. And also fourth graders think they're so cool. They, they like, it wasn't like I had to convince them to learn, but it was just like a different dynamic. Whereas yeah. I feel like my personality kind of geared toward younger. Of sort of the like, oh, speed, you know, blah, blah, blah. Whereas fourth graders, I felt like, like I was like, gosh, I'm young and I don't know anything about what these kids are talking about. At back, back when I was teaching, it was like streaming was becoming popular. And I'm like, I better like brush up on like these names so I can just like drop them. And they're like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm right. like, yeah, Get that cool I card do. Name. But I'm like, in reality, I'm like, gosh, I, I feel like I'm not like an old old teacher but like I have no idea what they're talking about and I'm like googling off to the side anyway um so my first year teaching I we had bus duty so we like we would bring every so often we would bring the kids out and stay with them and so we'd rotate by grade levels and all that is to say like I was out by the buses with my fourth grade team so Friday afternoon, you know, you feel really good. I'm like, it's a lovely sunny day. I'm just going to wrap them up. And, you know, they're on the buses. Like, it's going to be the weekend. It's great. Most of the buses leave. And then I trip off the curb. Um, And so I'd broken my ankle before. So I was like, mm-hmm. Yep. I was wearing Toms, which comfortable shoes for teaching compared to, like, flats or another thing. But, like, not tennis shoes. Not supportive, obviously. Um. So yeah, I then had to walk to the other end of the building because, um, you know, school buildings. Yeah. Um, so I'm like hobbling and I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, this is like, this is a, like screaming, nauseating amount of pain. But, you know, I got to get I got to get to my classroom. Thankfully, all the students have left. So all the students are on the buses. There's no like dramatic. Mrs. Steve is on the ground. You know, I'm like, oh, no, 
<laughs> Thankfully, they've all left. And then I get stopped by our PE teacher. And she is going off about my class did this and they weren't listening for this. And how are we going to blah, blah, blah. What are you going to do about it on Monday? And I had to kind of, I was just listening to her because she was in the like, she is mad and she needs somebody to talk to about it. And at the back of my mind, I'm like, thank you so much for telling me that they were awful for 30 minutes. I had them for six hours today and I have a shooting amount of pain. I got to go. Have a great weekend. That's all in my head. Yeah. What I'm saying is, uh-huh, yeah, that's tough. Oh, that's really frustrating that they yelled at you. I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I, I don't have context. Anyway, so I wrap that up. I remember telling her, like, I have to go. My ankle is hurt. And she was kind of like, okay. And then I was like, I'm just going to kind of keep walking because I have to go <laughs> sit down. So I text my husband and I say, don't call me. I'm about to cry. Um you need to come and pick me up. And he texts me back and he's like, okay, I'm on it. You have the car today. (laughs) So I'm like, yep. I said, I don't care. Like I can't get back to the car at this point because that's the same area where the buses were. So I can't now hobble back to drive in the car. Also, like I'm not thinking straight. I'm in work mode because I'm like, I cannot break down here, but I'm also in like, I need help. Like, this is not right. And so he's like, okay, well, I could take an, this is like early days of ride sharing. So he's like, okay, well, I could take an Uber and like, you know, it's going to be like $50. I'm like, whatever. Like, we don't have any money, like, whatever. I'm like, that's fine. We'll figure it out later. Um, So it takes like an hour for him to get there. And I, I was working during that time. I was setting up lessons. I was scooting around in my office chair. I I had colleagues coming in, talking to me about their weekend. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I'm hurt. And then I was like, don't talk to me about it because, you know, I don't want to cry. Alex is coming. And they're like, um, do you need something? I'm like, no, because the second I start getting help, like my work mode is going to like totally shut down and I am just going to be like sobbing. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I've hurt my ankle before. It's going to be fine. Well, long story short, I broke my foot and sprained my ankle. And it was like the type of break where the doctor's like, yeah, this is bad enough, but like there's only a little bit that we can do right now. It has to try to heal. I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Thanks. Um, Lots of details later, because it happened at work, there were lots of protocols about what I could or couldn't do. There's no manual for that, or if there was nobody gave it to me so there was like a why are you here on Monday at work I'm like what do you mean I'm showing up like the teacher like you have to get cleared and then it's like okay that sounds great from HR but like who's filling in for my class like HR was like on the phone saying Erica you have to leave you're not authorized you have to get a doctor's note and I was like great are you getting a substitute I was like I don't think we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, And that's just a lot of the pressure too. It's like you absorb that, like, I need a body to fill in for me. That's one. And then number two, I need to get them set up for success with the students. And number three, I need to give them lessons and plans in place so they know what to do for the next four hours. And I don't think anybody really realizes that stress. Like there's different pieces. There's like the, who books the sub? Did they show up? And then like, that's like the first model. 
And then from there you have the like, are they going to do anything? I'm like, I don't care if they get any lessons done. Just try not to like have any huge explosions. If everybody's safe, it's fine. But that was sort of my like, okay, I have to fill in. I have to do this. Now I'm hurt. Now what do I do? Tracking so far. I'm like, I, I tell the story a lot. So it's okay if it doesn't make sense. No, no, no. I'm sitting here saying everything makes sense and how like back to the other teacher and how they were able to like disassociate once they left like I know that there are teachers out there that like if they need a day off or like they were to get hurt it would be like all right I'm done like yeah I can you figure it out right and like I know that the kids will be fine and I can focus on myself where I'm similar to you like for the first three years of working I think I took off once no twice and even then I was like I can take a half day like I'll I'll come in and admin was like no like you're covered and this is also when I was a freaking assistant right Right. I was like no no I need to come they 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 need me what about the kids like this kid at drop-off is gonna cry because I'm not there and they're like it'll it'll be fine and I'm like I don't know that (laughs) I don't know like some, yeah. some people don't realize the amount of guilt mm-hmm. and like anxiety about like those are my children right yeah. like I need to make sure that everyone is feeling seen feeling validated like if I'm not there what the world might what's gonna end. happen <laughs> yeah what's gonna happen and who's gonna be responsible right. yeah for me the worst part was coming back so I did okay with the like plan for the lessons and you know support the students and then coming back and reading the notes and following up with the class about everything that went wrong and all the problems and everything. I was like, this is, this is way too much anxiety. Like I was like, this is so stressful that I'm like coming back to like, I mean, I had like nasty sub notes of like the class was disruptive. They did blah, blah, blah. Like I'm like, okay, can you start with like a Thank you for your lessons. Right. Thank like, you we don't have to like make it fluffy, but just like, thanks for the opportunity. And I think part of it is like, I, I don't envy substitutes, but like the amount of anxiety that I would have to come back to look at the notes, to follow up with the students, to problem solve. And then not to even mention like we're behind on lessons, which is arbitrary in terms of being behind metrics that we didn't set for our students. Yeah, it's messy. And I think like that for me as a first year teacher, not knowing the rules, not understanding my sick time, not understanding, oh, I'm hurt at work. That's workers comp. That's a whole other industry. That's a whole other authorization. I had some sort of nasty experiences with like what my administrators were telling me at my school versus HR, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm like, y'all need to chat because technically like I can't be the one that's managing those back and forth for you. Um, And I think part of it is like, you have to find a body to step in for you. So like, that's tense for everybody. The principal doesn't want to step in and be the body. They have their own work to do. And also like, I can't be responsible for making sure that my class gets covered. If HR is telling me legally, you cannot be here. Are you exiting the building? I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 22. Uh, Thankfully, I had a lovely class. They were like, anything you need, I'll get it for you, Miss Keith. Oh my goodness, Miss Keith. Like, they're like, so sweet and lovely. And also I was like, this isn't sustainable. I mean, like no classroom is set up for a wheelchair, for crutches, for like mobility. No classroom is set up for like support. 
no classroom feels like it's ready to go for sitting all day. Like I was the proximity teacher where like, I never sat down. I was like tapping on a desk. I was bending down, chatting with a student. I was weaving in and out. I remember my um, mentor teacher when I was student teaching, she was like, I've never heard of like the proximity tips. She was a veteran teacher, a former librarian. And she goes, you're like solving a lot of problems proactively by just like being around and moving. And I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a strategy. Yeah. Um, but I like that was my strategy. And then suddenly I was injured and I couldn't do that. Or they'd like see me coming from a mile away. And I'm like, everybody move your table group so I can get through. That that was like that alone I could talk about for an hour because like the the accessibility problems and like sure in terms of like compliance we probably checked most boxes but in terms of like having it be ready to go so I could be injured and teach in a wheelchair no that wasn't a thing and I also probably should have taken like two months of sick leave and like totally been out I didn't know that that existed. <laughs> And so I was the teacher going around to everybody saying, if you get hurt here, please come and talk to me. Doesn't mean I know what to do, but I at least have learned what not to do and who to call at (laughs) HR and what you need to do. I said, please come and talk to me. People were joking, but I said, like, you don't understand. Like, I never got a manual. Like, my principal was scrambling with me because she was like, I've never done this before with a teacher getting hurt. You know, so there was a lot of like, When I talk about my injury, it's all wrapped up in teaching because it all relates to like what year was I teaching? What what was the class like? What was their behavior like? How was I supported or not supported? Long story short, I had basically an injury. See, I told you my cat would jump up and want to cuddle. Like I'm getting into the story and she's like, I'm noticing that you aren't cuddling. I'll try to show you. She's super sweet. She's like a little lover. (laughs) But she's also like, hello, can we cuddle? Yeah, Um, I'm ready now. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, so I'm noticing that you're chatting with somebody else. That doesn't work. There was a time when I used to go to teaching and I was gone for nine, ten hours a day and she would be by herself. But we're now spoiled in the land of work from home. So she now has no context of how to be by herself. (laughs) um anyway a little anecdote yeah so basically for me like the injury and pain and recovery is all related to teaching and I had two different surgeries spanning across different school years I had if you have an ankle surgery you have six weeks at a minimum where you're on the couch no weight bearing whatsoever um so obviously that's like six weeks where you know you're going to be like out of teaching, but then like the other six weeks is like starting to put your foot down, wearing the walking boot, starting to use crutches, phasing out of two crutches and one crutch. So it's a year before, like they say recovery for an ankle surgery is about a year in terms of getting back to your baseline. Um, So for me, I was like, great, a year? Okay, I'll do this. I'll follow all the rules. I'll go to all the physical therapy. I'll do all the at-home exercises. I am a teacher, so I will follow your plan. Thank you for outlining it for me. All of this sounds great. Well, it didn't really work that way because my healing was not linear. And so every stage when it got to the like, no, they said I wouldn't have any more pain once blah, blah, blah. And I'm like in a ton of pain. 
I'm like, is this me? Is this my problem? Am I a wimp? Is this like the low pain tolerance? And then like I'd go and teach all day and I'm a proximity teacher. So I would be moving around at least 10,000 steps a day. Yeah. Um, I'd get home and my ankle would be black and blue. And I'm like, okay. Um, and then you do it all over again, right? Oh. So I like try to recover. Can't even sit up at the dinner table. I'm so nauseous with pain, but like getting up the next morning, I'm going to go again. Lots of tears to get out the door because obviously I'm in a ton of pain. Right. But I'm also like, what's the alternative? I have to go. The kids need me. I don't have, I have to pay my bills. What am I going to do? So yeah, four years of that, it was exhausting. You did that for four, four years? years? Yeah, so basically, because I got hurt March of my first school year Mm -hmm. teaching. And then, so I had the rest of that school year and then three more years. So four four classroom years total. Uh, um, And it got to the point where, like, Alex, my husband, said in a loving way, like, I need you to consider something different. Like, we cannot do this thing together. Because he was like, you're so invested in your community, in your students, and in supporting. And you don't have a life outside of that. And that was really good to hear. But also, like, I was like, yeah, how are we going to pay our bills? Like, I'm like, I don't know what that means. You know, I don't have any alternatives. Thankfully, and this is also, like, not thankfully, obviously, but, like, the pandemic happened. It happened at a really good time for me because it was so March 2020. I called my doctor at lunch, which is like so hard to do because your lunch is 40 minutes, which turns into, oh, a student forgot their jacket, unlock the classroom. Oh, you need to make copies because you, you know, had something come up in the morning. Oh, a parent has an emergency and they just came, you know, knocking on your door. Oh, your colleague came in. So 10 minutes to heat up food, eat food, go to the bathroom, fill up water, be a human. Breathe. Yeah. So no, I, I'm like, we didn't have lunch. We just had like a, a half break. Right. Um, so I called my doctor during my lo- non-lunch break. And which is always a thing because it's like, are they going to answer? Am I going to be on hold for three hours? I talk with somebody and I said, like, I think I've been downplaying this because again, because it happened at work, all of this is work related. So I have to have an occupational doctor that clears me to work. and. Of course, I sort of like, yeah, I'm doing okay. You know, it's hard and there's a lot of pain, but I'm working through it. And I called her and I said, I think you need to understand, like, I'm actually unwell. This is not working. My ankle is black. I do have physical evidence. And also I'm in so much pain. Um, And she was like, yeah, you're done teaching. I'm pulling you tomorrow. You're going to be done teaching. We'll clear you for office work only. So you can work at like the HR building and still get paid. It was like, I'm like, how's that going to work? But then the pandemic happened and school shut down and that saved me in terms of like, I didn't have to then go and like leave my class again, you know, cause I would, I'd be on leave and they'd prepare for surgery, leave and recovery. But then it wasn't, when I came back, I wouldn't be well enough to teach. It was like up and down and up and down and up and down. And all the while, like my mental, emotional state, like I was not well. Like, I look back on those days and I'm like, gosh, how was I a human? Because I was not functioning and also like I was in people like oh yeah fight or flight I'm like yes but like the pain never went away there was never a moment when it was like oh I'm pain-free I'm really enjoying my weekend 
Yeah. But I learned a lot. And because of that, like you said, oh, neat. Like, oh, now we get to see said doggy. Well, (laughs) the wrong spot to be. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) I know. Uh, Anyway, I don't even know what your question was. Was like, you did that for four years. Yes. And it was all sort of a nasty journey. That's, I mean, I was going to say insane, but not, it, it, like, I would be the same way. It would be like, it's okay, the course. my foot is falling off of my body and I still need to show up to work because mm-hmm. God forbid I leave them. I don't I know. know what's going to happen to them. And it's like, I, it's just, I don't, I don't even know the words. Like, I look back on the last year that I was working at the school and as you said, like, I don't know how I did anything. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know how I, like, I don't remember eating that much. I don't remember hydrating that much. Like, I just remember being so miserable mm-hmm. because I couldn't, like, think of anything besides work. I yep. wasn't sleeping well. And yet every day it was like, I need to go to this place that's slowly killing me. But mm-hmm. I also don't realize that it's slowly killing me. Mm-hmm. And, like, for your husband, Alex, that's his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, like, say that to you and, like, be brave enough to say that? <laughs> like, <laughs> took a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, um, I wish someone would have, like, come up to me and, like, slapped me and been like, can you take a second to look at what's mm-hmm. happening? And, like, is this okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure if I went to the administration and was like, this is what I'm realizing is happening to me. This Mm -hmm. is what I like wish was the case. They're Mm -hmm. not matching. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that this is the perfect situation for me anymore. And like, Mm -hmm. if I had recognized that, if I was able to verbalize that, but like when your mental Mm -hmm. health is so far gone in those situations, you you, you can't, you just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's hard about that is any other job, you'd see it as a job and like it, they'd be sort of like, cool. But because educators, like they need people to fill in, it's like so personal. It's like, why are you leaving? What are you doing? Like my, I'll be gracious with how I describe it. But like, I had a lot of pressure, like not just like internal, I put pressure on myself, but I had a lot of pressure about like, oh, you're doing what's best for you? Oh, you're not healed yet? Oh, what do you mean it's going to take longer? And like, do you want me to take off my walking boot and show you? Are you like, and that to me, like I took a lot of things personally and I've been in a lot of therapy because it's been a lot. Yeah, it's like, cheers to therapy. But like I did, I took a lot of that on and because I viewed it as like, oh, they're questioning me. They're questioning my character. And then they, they like, they're attacking my integrity. And that to me is like, no, no, and no. So I need to over explain and defend myself. So lots of learning later. I finally am this space where I'm like, yeah, it makes sense that I need to leave. And like everybody that I've talked to about it, they're like, yeah, that makes sense that you're working from home. So you don't have to like be on your feet all day. I'm like, yeah, I know. But it's like, it was, it like took a while to get there. And even just to like find the job and like work from home in education, that felt like it didn't exist. You know, I first saw the role and it was like, salaried pto permanent work from home non-covid i'm like this is a scam there's no way like i was like there's no way this is accurate yeah thankfully the team is so lovely and interviewing was like easy because it was just a conversation right but i remember thinking 
there's no way this could be true for me and could, could actually be sustainable because that type of thing doesn't exist. And at the time, I wasn't ready to say, I'm done with all my classroom stuff. Let's pack up my like mini room of all my gear and say goodbye. Like it was still emotional to say like, yes, this is best for me. And also like, I'm not ready to say I'm never going to teach again. Now, you know, it's been several years. So now I can say that because I'm like, yeah, I couldn't even sub for half a day without like a huge pain flare. Like, who am I thinking I could like go back into the classroom? Like, I'm like, no. And I, I love this current job so much. But it's like all of that sounds really good. Like, that's why at the beginning I was like, it's not linear. Like, it sounds like, oh, yeah, you know, you transition to work from home. It was not a planned thing whatsoever. Yeah. And I'm curious. So, like, I've been out of the classroom for two years now. Mm-hmm. And over the two years, I've been in therapy and I've slowly been able to get rid of certain things from my classroom. Like, when I was leaving, mm-hmm. I knew I was never going back to a classroom and I still took every single thing of mine because I was like, I took freaking markers as if I'm like coloring in my room (laughs) or something. And I brought like the stuffed animals that like, it was ridiculous. And so Mm -hmm. over the two years, I've like slowly started getting rid of things and like giving them to people. And like, I kid you not, I had Play-Doh, like Mm -hmm. the most random crap. (laughs) And I still have a bunch of stuff and I'm like, but I need it. So how did you get to the point where you don't have all this crap? (laughs) I so resonate with that. I think in part because it takes so long to get your stuff and to like set up routines. Like for me, I'm like, no, like I can't get rid of my like supply boxes that house all the different like pencil cups for all the different supplies. Cause I'm like, like, my system works. And part of like what I really loved about classroom teaching was the routines and expectations. Like that's actually like linear to me and I can like work with them and we can practice it. And like, that was actually something I really loved in addition to, you know, obviously the like light bulb moments. Like I'm not saying I did classroom teaching for the routines. No, no, no. (laughs) But it helped. But I actually liked that. And so when I would think about all my supplies and all my gear and all my resources, that was associated. I had tubs and tubs all categorized by like standards of math games. And I was like, I can't get rid of these because like, if I go back, like I'm going to miss them. and I'm going to think about like, they are laminated with cardstock and they're durable for long-term blah, blah, blah. Right. So I, I did it in like three different rounds. Again, never, never like had it mapped out. It was very like organic. So like round one was when we moved to our house. No. Let's see. I started, let me think. So I started in this role in January, 2021. And I first got rid of stuff. So this was also like, we moved states. I brought all of my stuff with me, including furniture, flexible seating. I brought it all. We stored it all for a while. And so about a year and a half in, I was like, you know, I need to actually like update this, organize it better, make sure I know what I have. Because when I packed up my classroom, it's just like grab and dump, grab and dump. Like I'm like, I can't sort it. This was also like peak COVID when there was like, wear a mask. You get two hours to pack up your room. You have to sign up. Like I'm like, okay. So keep that in mind. So like round one was kind of like an organizing round. And then I really did another round. I think it was like February, 2021. So I was like, you know, two months into my current role. And I was like, you know, this role is working really well, but also like, I can't say I'm closing the door on classroom teaching. And I did like a 
kind of the like sweep of like posters and like anchor charts, like kind of some things that like they weren't as personal to me, but it was definitely like, I don't need this. Yeah. Um, kind of cleaned all that up, consolidated. And then round two was like later in the fall at our current house. It was like I'd been working there almost a year and I was like, yeah, I need to start getting rid of things. And then I did another sweep like post new year because I was like, okay, hey, now I've been here a full year. My manager's telling me I'm like not at risk for losing my job. Cause that's the other thing is I'm like, I don't know how this works. Like at any time, is it see you later? Like I'm used to a contract with teaching dates, you know? Yeah. So that was part of it is I was like, I know that I feel good here, but also like, is this weird counting on a work from home job post COVID? So I started to like, kind of like all of my like sets of things I started to get rid of. That was hard, but also I, it, I, it was easier to digest because I was giving it to current classroom teachers. Yeah. So through our Facebook by nothing group, I started like reaching out and saying like, Hey, I'm a classroom teacher. I have sets of book bins. I have sets of laminated like cardstock math games. I have sets of this. I have sets of this. If you're interested, let me know and I'll give it to you. Um, and like the elation from these teachers was like so, so heartwarming. Like they were grateful, but I was also grateful to know it's going to be used um, because I didn't want it donated. I didn't want somebody to have to purchase it. I didn't want it in the garbage. You know, I'm like, wait, there's a reason why I've saved this stuff. Like I want it to go to like students that are going to really use it. And a lot of those um, teachers work in schools that desperately need those resources. Yeah. Um, and so that helped me, you know, sets of crayons divided in cups ready to go for table groups. Like I'm like, I'm delighted to support you with that. And do I need a tub of crayons? No. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I don't need a tub of crayons. Um, and so it happened in different rounds. And my last round was like, okay, I've been in this role going on two years. I want to save a box, like a memory box. I want it to be, it was like my lanyard and my like clipboard and my um, classroom sign. And like my sort of like, this is me as a classroom teacher, Mrs. Smith stuff. And that box still makes me cry every time I open it. Um, and I'm not, it's not like I'm not emotional, but I'm like, I, I'm not a big crier. But when I see that, it's like, it's just a different me, I think. Um, I was the teacher that like had a consistent font and like branded all my stuff because I was like, I want it to look nice. And I like, I had like a little family fridge where like they posted their artwork and like I saved the family fridge sign because I'm like, this means something to me. There were a lot of things where I was like, see ya, don't care about. But a lot of the like, if it was personal to me, I saved some of like my little magnets that were like, I don't know what I'm, what I'm going to do with them. But like, I used to have that on my whiteboard. Like that means something when I see it. So I have my box. And I also told Alex, like, you're going to have to help me leave space for grieving and navigating that anytime. That could be in 10 years. That could be, you know. I said, anytime I want to be able to talk to you about teaching, I want to be able to come and like, you can kind of like, cause he was in it with me as best as yeah. he could be. That's why he was like, Hey, I think you need to leave. But like, he was in it with me. And so I kind of said like, you're going to have to be my person that helps me do this long-term because I don't want it to feel as though I've let that, like that era could go. And now I never revisit it. And I have like teaching colleagues that I could chat about 
forever. But I said, like, you were the one in it with me. And so I want like you and I to come back to like, if I say I want to, you know, talk about teaching and I want to pull out the box, like I want him to be available for that and like ways that help me. And most of the time we don't do anything with it. Like most of the time I'm like, yeah, no problem. But knowing that it's there is helpful because it's yeah. not just see you later. I've donated everything. Yeah. Yeah. I And it's interesting. I've given a bunch of things away or like this past summer, um, a cousin visited with her two young children. And I was like, this is perfect. I have so many things here. And like, I was yeah. able to utilize them with them. And now I'm yeah. like down to like my books. And I'm like, I can't give these books away. Like there's yeah. something about them that like just trigger these memories of like amazingness and I need to keep them. And mm-hmm. I've kind of let myself be like, okay, you know what? You've gotten rid of all the other, like, like I kept a recipe on a chart piece, of, like a piece of chart paper for Play-Doh. <laughs> and I was like, you have this on your this. computer. There's this thing called Google now. <laughs> you really don't need You can it. take a picture of said poster. Yes. All right. So like, I've gotten oh. rid of all the nonsense stuff and I've like, let myself be okay with, okay, you have, as you're saying, like a box yeah. and that's it. And that's, mm-hmm. that's all you need in like you know you're not going back but i like as you said the grieving process it comes in waves like in september and august and september when people are getting their classrooms ready back to school mm-hmm. like that's hard for me like i mm-hmm. look at the things and i'm like oh. like even though i know i don't want to go back it's like oh like they're doing that now and like it's mm-hmm. it's triggering yeah. but it's like as you're saying like Look at all the things that we've also accomplished, like mm-hmm. how far you've come, like you look a lot healthier. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I can't tell what your mental mm-hmm. health looks like on the outside, but, it, you know, you seem yeah, better. better. <laughs> and yeah. like you wrote a book, you're the dean, mm-hmm. like all these amazing things because you took a leap of faith and was like, OK, I need to to focus on me a little bit. More. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I had this reflection when I was actually like answering a question for a magazine article. Um, And I realized none of this would have happened if I hadn't figured work out because work was the huge variable. Work was not only was it like my livelihood, like bills, but it was also the thing that was actually like not sustainable for me physically. And I never would have said like, I, I would have said that and I knew it wasn't sustainable. And I also had no idea how to climb out of that hole that sinking hole you know and so I think that for me I'm like oh but I figured out work and so all the other things came about like I gave myself years before I like donated my stuff because it was like that's a part of me you know and it is this emotional journey and you know you can look back and be like yeah my mental health is so much better again it wasn't linear like I had to go through that and there's a reason why I'm in therapy and we're, we're chatting about that and we're chatting about the wounds and the trauma and I didn't used to say like oh yeah I've had classroom trauma but then I'm like actually yeah that's the thing you know my therapist was the one that she was like I think you actually need to like label this as like something that was really really challenging and traumatic she and I said no you know my students went through actual trauma you know she's like no (laughs) Erica no you know and to like I say that jokingly while also naming like it was hard and I never would have had space to like even write Adeline plays many ways I never even would have like written it had I not had like work figured out my own time figured out and like 
sat down with like my schedule and everything worked. Like, I'm like, I didn't have a life when I was drowning in the sinkhole that was work. And so, yes, all of it came together. And also, yes, it was messy along the way. Right. And I think that um, the the labeling it as classroom trauma, like I was the same. I was like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, I I was fine. <laughs> like, I, I was okay. You know, yeah, like it, it was hard and it sucked and I was stressed and, you know, I didn't really eat and didn't sleep. But like, I was fine. <laughs> like, like, it was day. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, it's yeah. a little bit of, of denial and like not wanting it to taint all the other memories, even though it doesn't. Like, they're two, you know, they can be separate things. Like, you can enjoy all the great things. And recognize that there were parts that weren't great and that that's not, that wasn't on the children, like that wasn't on the parents. That was a whole other thing that I just couldn't control. And, you know, it's okay to have the two, you know, memories of what was happening. Yeah, both and that those are really hard words for me, but I'm like, yeah, that's true. Like it doesn't negate the fun memories. And it was really hard most of the time is both, right? you know? Um, And I think that allows the grieving to be different because it sort of gives me space for like, yeah, no wonder I'm teary when I see this one random label about her. Like, it's like the daily schedule labels. I'm like, but then I'm like, no, I updated our schedule 20,000 times a day. And I talked about it and we labeled it. And when I was gone, my students were talking about it and they were pointing to it. And I was like, our routine is the schedule. So like, I laugh about that. And also I'm like, yeah, no wonder I'm getting emotional seeing the schedule card. Like that was so much of like our day and orienting around it. And speaking of schedule, I know our time is tight. I'm like, gosh, it's just like, there's so much in education that you can nitpick. Like, I'm sure we could chat for another couple hours about like (laughs) how we're supported by families and how we were supported by colleagues and what that looks like. And I think everybody's in it. And we're also all just trying to get through it. Like it's both. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad educator. Right. And I, and it's interesting because after I left teaching, I, I didn't want to let go of the school and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to let go of the people in the school. And I didn't want to let go of the parents that I had connected with. And so I really struggled as to like, okay, there's also this thing called social media now. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I can follow these people or I can really disassociate. And like for some things I did disassociate and I like I somewhat regret some of it because I was so in my emotions that Mm -hmm. like my actions were sort of out of my control. And I've kind Mm -hmm. of been able to reconnect with certain parents. And like it's so nice to have that other side now where it's like, oh now I can communicate with you and talk to you and I don't need to stress about making sure your child is alive. Like you're, yes, on you now. <laughs> yes, totally. Totally. Yeah. And I think like, that's the piece that like my colleague that I was talking about earlier, like she wasn't thinking about that. She was off and having a great dinner, you know, like she's chill. But like, for me, I was like, I was thinking about that. Like, I like to tell people like, I was thinking about the kiddo that didn't have dinner, that didn't have somebody sitting next to them that like, like that was the weight and the emotional thing. It doesn't mean that like, I don't care about them, but like, I couldn't be that person for them. Like, I'm like, I'm not like a resource manager. Like, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to pay for pencils for us. Like, I'm like, ah, and some people can sort of have the on off switch 
And I think that switch for us is easier when we're removed. And then we're able to like be supportive and like kind of climb out of our shells because we we're not drowning in it. Right, right. And yeah. I mean, the the last thing also that I'll touch on is like, for me, and I'm curious if you're the same way, I want to fix everything. And so like, if I know that something is not right, I need to fix it. Even if I can't, even if I have zero control or it's not in my hands or whatever, I need to fix it. I need to help find that solution. And so if you told me that your child didn't sleep well last night, I will think about it all day and come up with 20,000 solutions, even though I'm not the parent, just to see if one of those fixes that solution for you. Meanwhile, I'm not sleeping. (laughs) Yes, I'm like nodding my head because it's like 100%. Um, And I was the one that was like, okay, it's okay if it's not my problem that I don't have the tools but I need to find the person that does have the tools to workshop this. And that's just like exasperating. Like, I remember Alex being like, why do you care so much about this? I'm like, how do you not? Like, I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Do you not hear the problem? <laughs> yes. And and that's also part of it too, is it's like, wait, that was like, so um, I'm thinking of like the hamster wheel where you're not getting anywhere, but you're spinning around and it's like, it's all encompassing and you're not getting anywhere, but your like mind is racing. Um, yeah, like my therapist uh, just plugged the therapy. My gosh, I don't but like she was like, it sounds like, you know, you have some like things to work through with sleep because you spent years having a hard time sleeping. I'm like, me? Oh, because you're right. The other person that needs to help. Like, have you ever like articulated some of the like racing anxiety thoughts that you have when you're like trying to fall asleep? I was like, no, that's super vulnerable. It's like, <laughs> And we're in therapy. <laughs> so again, like jokingly, the, like we're all along the train that's like trying to move forward. And it's exasperating and exhausting and really freeing to go back and to reflect on those things and like move forward, knowing that I'm still going to be talking about it in 10 years. Like I'm still going to be wrestling with some things. That's, that's a part of my journey. It's a part of my story. Right. Right. And I mean, that's a part of everyone's story is like, okay. These are the things that have happened in our life. We can Mm -hmm. reflect on them. We can accept them. We can work on them and learn from them and still Mm -hmm. move forward and Mm -hmm. accomplish so many amazing things. And so the last thing for like a hot five minutes is this book, because I do want to plug it. So thank you. Give people like a very uh, quick (laughs) synopsis and let's plug it. Ready? Go. Um, just kidding. Um, so I have chronic pain and a dynamic disability, and I didn't know how to name that for a while. It was taking a long time to accept that. But the people in my life are watching me go up and down and navigate the ups and downs. That's what I like to call it. They were doing that with me and alongside me and for me. And my nephew specifically, he was th- two and three year at the time, like. He was trying to understand, like, how come Aunt E, that's what he calls me, can play with me sometimes and other times not? Or how come, you know, I see something sometimes and sometimes I don't see the ice pack? And I turned to children's books. And graciously, I couldn't find one that captured my own thing. There was a lot of how to understand MS or this is ALS or this, you know, I I know you chatted with that author. Remind me her name that has a lovely ALS book. Yeah, Amalia. It's like something with an A. Um, and I listened to that episode and I like, totally resonated with it because she's like, I want a book on ALS. You know, I want my crew to know what this means. 
for me, my crew, I wanted them to know what like something vague means. And so I wanted to, I'll just show the cover for anybody that's like seeing it. So it's Adeline Plays Many Ways. And it is about Adeline, a young girl who is navigating the day with her uncle, Everett, or Uncle E, as a nod to me and my nephews and what they call me. And how Everett has his feelings about how he manages pain as an adult and how Adeline has her feelings about managing pain with her uncle and like navigating what it looks like and lots of those feelings. So it starts with sort of a parallel of how Everett feels about the day going to the park and how Adeline feels and how they come together and how they sort of separate and sort of think through the day and reflect on it. Again, doing my like two minute spiel. I love it because it's a story. I think how-to books are amazing and I also want kids to reflect and to sort of wonder and you know I read it to my nephews and he's like how come they look disappointed there and I'm like yes you know like asking those questions and like it's not like he was disappointed because xyz there's a lot of room for interpretation for asking questions for being frustrated for feelings it naturally invites curiosity which is also a big passion of mine what I have is super dynamic. Sometimes I use a cane, sometimes a wheelchair, sometimes I'm walking normally and people are like, Erica, I'm like, it's still me. It's still me. There's always pain. And I wanted a story out there that could invite people to understand chronic pain without telling them, without giving them the here is Everett with chronic pain. It doesn't ever name that, but instead it sort of invites this like, why is it different? And how do I feel about that? And I'll just say graciously, my plug is not so I get to become this huge famous author, but like anybody listening, that's like, oh, I don't resonate with chronic pain. That's why you get the story. That's why you have it on your bookshelf and talk about it. And if you don't have a personal connection to it, that's also like people in your life, like will value that. My students used to say like, how come, how come there's not a book that has like an apartment? I'm like, exactly. Most of them are like middle-class homes where everybody has their own bedroom and it's beautiful and there's a mom and a dad and I'm like not only do we need to like disrupt white supremacy and family structure but we also need to have kids and adults represented when I couldn't find the book to reflect me I was like well gosh I think I'll write it so I'm reflected somewhere yeah again I could talk about it for forever obviously I'm passionate about it and then my also little plug is I would say for anybody listening, if you resonate or if you want to chat further, I'm happy to do so. I want to be the author that like actually interacts with students and kids and people. I don't want to become somebody who's like hard to reach. And so I'm happy to chat with anybody, especially because I didn't have that when I was in the classroom. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know how to have that resource for my students. So yeah, happy to do so. Yeah. And I love that like my favorite kinds of kids books are exactly what you said, like a book that leads to conversations. Why do you think they're frustrated? Like what? Yeah. I noticed that look on their face too. Why do you think that's happening? Oh, I wonder if you can connect with it. Have you ever felt this way? And also like the book being about a invisible disability right and an invisible pain and something that we don't always see someone going through unless they have that visible pain or wheelchair like that makes sense to children like because they don't Mm -hmm. always see what's happening and so they Mm -hmm. see you one day without a cane they see you the next day and they're like huh Mm -hmm. I'm wondering what's happening and Mm -hmm. here's a book and I always say to the authors that I have on like 
this is why we need people like you who have an experience and write a children's book because that's what we need. And these are the books that should be in every single classroom library because it's relatable on some level and they'll get something out of it no matter what. And Mm -hmm. I'm so, I'm so glad that, I mean, we've been connected on LinkedIn for a while now. Yeah. I don't remember how. Finally connecting. Yeah. (laughs) IRL. Yeah. So I'm I'm so grateful that you came on, Erica. I mean, this was a great chat about so many different things. And I'm sure we could have talked for hours and hours, but. Like at some point, maybe I should start my work day, but thank you for the lovely chat. I'm like, maybe I should go get to my inbox. It was so great. And I think part of it too, is like, we can continue to chat and connect and like, continue to source to support each other and that's the thing is like we're all learning and growing together yeah. for anybody listening is like we ha- I haven't arrived there's no like yeah I did the book check I'm like no we're all just sort of navigating it together and we all have our own things below the surface that we're dealing with and that's how we're going to continue to like learn and grow together I love it I love it well cool. enjoy your work day thank you for coming on and mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll stay connected. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Andy. And go give your dog some pets. Yeah. Love for getting through it. (laughs) Okay, take care. Bye. Bye.